Welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I am Jordan Tyler Coleman. I am joined by Tyler Walzak. Thank God I am joined by Tyler Walzak. <laughs> I had to fly solo last week, Tyler, uh, but I am very happy to have you back. Uh, glad you're feeling well, and uh, we got lots to talk about because it was a very busy weekend. Great weekend. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for the well wishes last time. You know, not one person reached out to me to ask how I was doing. Like, I know, none of these doesn't... listeners. None yeah, of these it, listeners. It doesn't bode well for either the fact that we <laughs> don't have very many, like listeners paying attention to those kind of pieces of information or the people that listen to our show they are not our friends yeah they don't care that ones that say to listening aren't aren't really listening now are they uh, i did get one um mail box 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 question this week but i chose not to use it. it it just simply said is tyler actually sick or just hung over but i, oh. I thought that was kind of insensitive <laughs> yeah. um Anyway, you're feeling much better, and I hope that this weekend left everybody feeling pretty good about the fact that we were so down on the sprint after the first one of the season. But because of Spa and the just the drama that Spa always seems to offer us, we actually had a pretty decent sprint weekend, I thought. I I hate that it was such a good sprint because it we, we've been shitting on it for the last, I think this is the oh, yeah. fourth one of the year, third one of the year. We've been shitting on it for like it just doesn't provide anything extra. Uh, uh, they, this this weekend completely put that at like off the rails. Like this was great. Yeah, well, and as I say, like Spa is always sort of like its own character in in every weekend we go here, and obviously. You know, there was some baggage coming into this weekend because we've had a death uh, this year uh, that we talked about on a previous show uh, at this circuit, and it's not the first time. And um, we've had a, a, a couple more recent deaths, and certainly it is seems to be the one common denominator in those fatalities is Spa, um, because we haven't, you know, motorsports has done a pretty good job, especially the formula circuits and even the lower categories has done a pretty good job of creating a very safe environment for these athletes to compete at such a high level. But you've got high speed corners on a track that literally goes like up a hill, down a hill, in the rain, in the forest, the and it's just like there's so many variables that that play into play into it and it was very clear very early in the week that uh, the drivers had all kind of gotten together and agreed um, that they were going to put pressure on uh, the FIA that if it was a rainy dangerous circuit that they did not want to race and they wanted uh, the you know the governing bodies to to be bold I believe was the sort of the term that George Russell used um, he's the chairman of the driver's committee. And he basically said, we hope that they make, you know, take bold action and in, in recognizing sometimes it's hard for them because there's money on the line and all those things. Luckily for us, it didn't matter. It ended up being pretty yeah. good. We got a wet um, couple days and then we actually had some pretty dry racing too. It was so the rain is the problem at spa with this safety because they have the blind climb where they're basically just looking at the sky and then they come up and over. And if there's anything slow up there at the top, they don't really get to see what's going on. And that's caused a lot of issues before. Um, and apparently like you could see it with even during this sprint race, when they did the like four formation laps or whatever it was, you there was you couldn't see anything if you were yep. behind the the lead max per, max per stop and you couldn't see anything. It was just yep. spray everywhere. So you don't know what's going on. Um, and that's why they did four of those laps. Um, but even qualifying the day before, the thing is the problem I have with the safety of the drivers wanting to be out there and not wanting to be out there to cancel a race. And that is that they're not on the same same page when it comes to after these individual days. And the one, um, the one thing that comes straight to my head is after qualifying, uh, Charles Leclerc was being interviewed and they said, yeah, we're probably going to have more rain tomorrow. And he goes, I hope so. That would be good for us. So that goes against the safety of what they want earlier. And now I know he could be talking about different levels of rain and stuff like that, but you have to, if you're being that specific about maybe canceling a race because of how, how much it's supposed to rain, you have to, to be a little bit more careful with your words when you do say something like that. Well, then we had, we had spa canceled a couple seasons back, if you recall, yeah. because of rain. So, you know, it, it, it isn't unprecedented, but as I say, it, it didn't end up being the case. We had, uh, enough, uh, good, good enough weather. We'll, we'll say to get through what we had to get through. Uh, again, the odd rhythm though, of our current sprint schedule means we had qualifying Friday and it wasn't mm-hmm. exciting qualifying in some ways. We certainly had some, the rain definitely played a factor there. And we definitely had some drivers, um, you know, that we don't always or necessarily see have good and, and, and good weekends. Um, and it was also obviously, you know, 
still a very dominant performance for Red Bull, but, but at the same time, um, nice to at least have that little extra bit of jeopardy in there with, with the weather. Well, we almost lost in Q2. We almost lost Max Verstappen. He finished 10th in Q2, and it was Gasly that was on the flying lap, the last driver that could have taken out. I was on my feet on the couch, like, please, please do this for me. Please. Yeah. He didn't do it. I think he qualified 12. Um, but he didn't get it, and that was if, – if he would have knocked Verstappen out, oh, how yeah. sweet would that be? Yeah, and, and and you know, we also end up with a – you know, a red flag ending a set, uh, uh, um, one of those qualifying elements in there. We ended up doing the same thing the next day in, in the sprint uh, because again, the, you know, the, the weather you're, everyone is driving right at that edge, as you say. And, and it's, it's kind of right to that point where, you know, eh, safety's right there, but these guys are so, so good um, that they're able to really, again, hook it up and under the just crazy circumstances and, and, and really to figure it out. And it was interesting because again, you had a couple teams that do seem to have better setups for the wet you know we've seen both the Haas and the Williams do okay in the weather but like it was interesting because this weekend really felt like kind of a return to form they were not up in the top four but a return to form for for uh, Aston Martin and part of that I think is that they did do very well in the rain you know what I mean now we can talk about the bad strategic choice they made during the shootout um, going into the sprint as as Stroll was the only driver to get the slicks on and ended up in the wall at the corner with no name but at the same time, you know, they had pace that they haven't had in a little while. Um, and we're at least making strides back towards where they were at the beginning of the season where everyone else is now caught up and past them. McLaren, Mercedes, mm-hmm. um, Ferrari, even who wasn't able to compete with them at the beginning. Um, so it's, it was just, you know, it was an interesting weekend. Cause I feel what we, we didn't learn a lot about uh, what this track is like in dry conditions, but we learned about what it's like in pretty much everything else. Yeah. And we'll, you could say that about McLaren because McLaren chose to pretty much set up their entire weekend for rain and for wet weather. They kept the car very, very low to the ground, hoping that that would help. Um, and they were very fast in the sector two because of it. They're probably the fastest car in sector two, but it did not help them out in one or three. Um, we'll get to the race soon, but like that they had like certain teams will set up their car specifically to run in wet weather and McLaren did that this weekend. It didn't pay off. And did you catch during um, Lance when he hit the walls? That was during the sprint qualifying. Yeah, I think one out. of the announcers, uh, yeah, I think one of the announcers said, uh, uh, Lance Stroll has a chance here to to set a fast lap and then literally cut to boom, he's in boom. the wall. Yeah. Like the biggest jinx ever. Yeah. Well, they've done, they, and then they've done that. And that caused times. the red flag for Q2. That's so right. that ruined the shootout for, um, Aston Martin and Williams and Ricardo. Yeah, and and Ricardo really being the one suffering because he 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 had had a good first half of that lap. But um, it, it was I have a question for you about that. Okay, go for it. Why not? Because Williams and Aston Martin didn't get into the, to the next part of that um, shootout, the next qualifying laps or or section of the shootout because they didn't go out on intermediates and just put in a lap time. So don't you think that no matter what's going to happen, you'd want to get out there first, put a lap time on the board. And then, and then do your last lap as quickly yeah. to the checkered flag as possible. Totally. Because what things like this happen all the time. So the only the only argument against it is that you're trying to balance both. I think the that desire to like get a lap time in, and equally not to compromise uh, when you get out there to do it. And if you are not going to be one of the very first teams out on track, then there's going to be traffic, and you have to kind of try to space it out. And they just got caught out because then they were so far into that second session, they were like, well, we know it's drying up. Now let's just wait for it to get a little bit drier before we send them out on the wrong tire. I think a lot of teams were waiting to see what happened with Stroll, and obviously they got their answer. But, yeah. you know, that's a gamble that you sometimes take. Um, I also think it's but interesting put a, because... Put a lap time up then. Then put a lap well, time up disagree. and then see no, no, what happens. Totally, 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 totally. Um, it was interesting though. I, I'm sure you caught this too, because there was a big conversation about it with, uh, Brundle and, um, actually, no, it wasn't Brundle. It was the trackside reporter. Uh, I can't think of his name at the moment, but it was with Crofty and him, but they were recognizing the fact that, um, there was a very odd choice made, or it appeared to be a very odd choice made by the FIA and, and the stewards to not declare the track wet. Did you catch that? So we have pouring mm-hmm. rain. We literally yeah. can see like geysers of water coming up from drainage, you know, portions on the track. But under the legal definition of how the track was identified to the teams, 
they very strictly did not impose the part of the rule where they identify the track as wet, meaning that specific tires would have to be used. If a track is declared wet, you have to run on wets or intermediates, right? And if you do end up where it dries up partway through that session and you go to softs, um, you, you have specific rules that apply based on which tires you're allowed to use throughout the weekend. And it changes if it's declared wet or it's declared dry. And if it remains dry, okay. we use the regular rules. That is why Lance Stroll had to go out on a set of new mediums, not a set of used softs. Ah, because if he used about the that. softs, he would have wasted those tires for the rest of the race. Now, if it had been declared wet, free for all he would have been able to use extra tires and it wouldn't have counted against park Ferme. it would have been he would have had those tires available to him later in the weekend they specifically did it i think and this seems to be the consensus now they specifically did it to prevent um what they expected would be a dry sunday from being they wanted basically to separate the sprint from the rest of the weekend and they didn't want it to impact it now here's the problem you can make the argument they actually put stroll and every other driver in actually more danger because the softer yeah. tire in that situation coming out of the intermediates will be the grippier tire and probably yeah. would have prevented him catching that little bit of wet patch. And if it had, if, if he'd been able to get the tires up to, to temperature, a, a soft tire would have been safer. And so it's an interesting argument. It's an interesting sort of piece of that puzzle, but again, it kind of goes back to the, like, how much interference do we want from our stewards? Do we really want them to be like, you know what I mean? And and it's, the, it's just such an odd thing because when you read the, in the rule book, it's like, if the track is wet, it has to be declared wet. You'd think that'd be pretty cut and dry. You know, your eyes yeah. see that's fucking wet track. It's wet track, but nope, technically it wasn't a wet track. Apparently. That is weird because you're right. It's also a safety issue. If he was out there on softs, he'd have that much more grip. I mean, it's still yeah. Lance Stroll. He's going to put it into the wall, but I mean, you'd still have a little bit more grip before he did go on the wall. Yeah. So anyway, but good uh, for that team to get that, that car back on the, Absolutely. For the they got him back race. four hours later for the sprint. Yeah. Uh, very impressive. And we did have a like, pretty about that. Inter- entertaining sprint. Think about um, it. You can't get oh, yeah. your tires rotated in four hours anywhere. And these guys are literally fixing the, the whole... Because when you go get your tires rotated somewhere, there's some guy in there who's on like his sixth coffee break of the day. And it's, he's going to do like four cars an hour. He's got all of these cars he's got to work on. Instead of uh, you got 15 guys and they're all being paid by how fast they can get it out for their, all of their, you know, time related bonuses. No, I don't I'm just say you're right. If we all had formula <laughs> it's, it's one an incredible feet. My God. No, it, it is. It was very impressive for them to get it back out there for sure. Uh, and a very positive sprint day for a few guys, including uh, your man, my Gasly. guy, including my guy was the greatest day of this year for him. Um, and also Alpine needed that because they've had a lot of problems going on lately. They've, I mean, things like, two of the last three races they've been actual dnfs and the other one they both were just out of contention to begin with so they're also doing a major switch within their race directors and like their ceo like alpine is going through a major change starting probably yesterday um and to have Gasly, first of all great call for those cars to go in right away take the wets off and go to intermediates that was awesome because it also made it made the race it literally made the race that more exciting to be like, wait, all half the cars are going in, half the cars are staying out. Um, the reasoning for why that happened because it's going to be too busy in the pit lane. You don't want to. Is all it was all so exciting, and then we got eleven laps of racing where the Gasly was the second guy in, Piastri was the first guy in, and they both came out and were immediately two three, and they stayed that way. Hamilton tried to catch up to Gasly at the end, but I mean, what a day for Gasly! I was so I was so happy. That was a great Saturday. Yeah, and it was as it's what we hoped the sprint would be, but again, yeah. a lot of that aided by weather and the jeopardy, as you say, that was created by the fact that teams didn't want to double stack off the top, but needed to get those those wet tires off. There, the track had been declared wet, and they had to well, start not... with the wet tires and start at a rolling start behind the safety car, yeah, which also is weird because we ended up with the best sprint of the year being cut down by four laps on already the shortest by lap time sprint of the year, because it's the longest track of the yeah. year. Um, but you know, that could have gone on another 10 or 15 laps and we would have all been completely satisfied. Well, see, I don't, I disagree with you. Cause you messaged me after being like, why I wish it would go on. I wish we could, go, I wish we could do like five more laps. Yeah. 
No, I don't. I think it was short. I think the shorter, the better, because you have less chance. And that's where the system is a little broken. You have less chance for guys like Verstappen, if he starts in sixth or whatever, to move all his way back up. And we just have the same winners all the time. Whereas you do something within that shootout qualifying to jungle this, like jumble it up. And then you get, you get less laps to get up to first. You have different winners. You have, because right now going into this Red Bulls won everything, yep. every sprint, every race. So this weekend was a little Not bit just going like into it, Tyler, coming out of it. Yeah. But it just, it's, I, I thought it was super exciting because it was so short. And then if it went another five laps, Hamilton would pass Gasly and you lose, he might catch up to Piastri. Like you lose those little bits of hopes that the midfield is getting when they get to be on a podium every once in a while. Now, mind you, it's just a sprint race still, but um, I mean, that was the biggest day for Alpine in terms of single points on any day this yep. year. For sure. Um, so that takes us to Sunday. We get to actually uh, a Grand Prix. And from fifth position, Max Verstappen comes, does what we expect him to do. Sixth position, even better. Sixth position. He gets uh, all the way back up and wins the race, as you say, secures the 12th straight race this season for Red Bull. 13th, 13th overall? Yeah, 13th in a row. Um, 13th in a row, 8th in a row for him. And he, yo, it took him like a whole 17 laps, laps yeah, to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, 17. I mean, I thought he'd be up there sooner. But let's talk about the start of this race because poor Oscar Piastri put himself in like the dumbest position you could do for that track. That is the one corner you never try to go inside a guy to make that overtake, especially there, because you just you know you're going to get pinched. I don't think Signs even saw him. I think he was worried about Hamilton on the outside. And I think Signs' comments after the race where he goes, all right, once he's raced here a few more times, he'll know that's just not something we do. Because it, it's it was he just put himself in a bad position. He got pinched. He got caught. Obviously broke the back chassis on, what, turn three, turn two. And that's his day after a great qualifying. Uh, and, a, and again, in a McLaren that we have seen in recent weeks, definitely has some pace. Um, didn't have the pace today, even with Norris. But, you know, just a tough, tough break for the rookie who's having a great season. So I'm going to go the other way. I think that this is very much more on signs than it is Piastri. Piastri 1000% could have backed off and not crashed and, and he'd have to give up that spot to signs, but signs is the one that locked up on the first turn. Sure. He locked up in the first turn. And instead of going right into the middle of Hamilton, he blindly turned right as quickly as possible and went into somebody else. I don't, there's no reason that you should let him off the hook as much as you just did there. Well, uh, the argument he is the more veteran driver. So he you're should know not he to be intentionally going. goes into somebody as opposed to go to the open road where he expects there to be space. Because again, he nobody intentionally goes into somebody line. either way. He intentionally no, he goes intentionally into Hamilton at the front Piastri. or he just blindly turns right. Yeah, he but it wasn't intentional. He took that space and it, it was of the two choices. There's no way Hamilton could get out of that situation. Plus Hamilton had the line. Well, signs could have signs. Signs is going into court turn one. He should know that he's got to break a little bit earlier. He can't be breaking that late into turn one up, at the yeah. start of a race and I, lock okay. up like that. Fine. I just don't think, I don't know. I, I think if you ask Piastri today, would you make that same decision to take that inside? And sure. I think he would say no. No, he could, he could have easily backed off and given the space have. to go and around. And I don't, around. yeah, I, that's, yeah, I think. But at the same right. time, you're talking about a kid that is doing very well, yep. that's very high hopes, that doesn't want to lose those spots at the top. And then you're also talking about signs who's having a rough go of it right now. Sure. Ferrari is not where they're supposed to be. And he very much was the first problem in this whole corner. Him locking up was the original problem that caused the other problems. And he ruined well, his race too. Yep. He also ruined his own day. You're right. And uh, luckily for Hamilton, he gets away scot-free because he was the, of the three of them, he was the, he was the only one who had the, I guess the like ideal positioning in that situation. He had done yes. nothing wrong to take that outside line. You know what I mean? Yes. And he kind of would, would have been collateral, but he got lucky. Luckily he scampered away from it. And again, you know, as a, as a Mercedes fan, great to see they're taking steps forward. I just wish that that car could function the way it does at the end of a race when it's got a full tank of fuel. Cause clearly right now there's just like a weight yes. issue. And I said yes. that last race too, because it's like when you get down to those last like 10 or 15 laps, it comes back to life. And it's like, Oh, this is what this car is aerodynamically capable of when it isn't trundling around with, you know, an extra four gallons. You feel like that'd be an easy solve. You well, and it, it might be. I think it's also just it's the ergonomics of where that tank is situated in terms yeah. of how its weight is distributed. That's probably something that when they get back to work before 
we go to Holland, there will be some thoughts put into how that's uh, uh, allowed to work on the car for 14 straight days. Correct. After the 14 straight days, (laughs) that doesn't mean they can't think about the car for 14 days. And uh, there are no mind police. Um, So I think that there's definitely some thinking going on in terms of how some of those engineers might be working on them uh, to try to figure that part of it out. Anyway, let's jump back to the other parts of the race because as I say, well, the other piece for, for Hamilton, like, is there, was there ever a more like sort of petty but really satisfying moment of this season than Hamilton just saying, I'm not going to catch Leclerc. I might as well steal the extra point off of Max and yeah, I love take that. away his perfect weekend. Uh, he also, because- yeah, that was great. I, I was very satisfied with that. It would have been nice to see him catch the Claire and take the podium because he had a good enough day that he deserved it. But at the same time, I was like, nah, Petty, I like this. Take that point. You need that point. Look, he's now one point away from, yep. from tying Alonzo. So like every point in that fight does matter. And 100%. it was uh, impressive again to see with an empty tank how fast that Mercedes is capable of being. Because it also was a very steep bar. Like Max had stomped a very good line. Like he had put a very, very good mark on the board as fastest lap to that point. It was faster than yes. almost faster than his qualifying lap. So that was very impressive. Um, and Hamilton steals it away. Um, let's just talk for a second about Max on the last lap. On the exactly. last lap. No, exactly. With no, yeah, no, no room. No, and on, on uh, medium tires. I know. I was going to say the same thing. I thought that was but, so strange. I was like, whoa, wait, what? Yeah. But, yeah I mean, yeah. obviously, he Better knows day. what he's doing. Yeah. Um, let's just talk for a second about uh, Max Verstappen and JP Lembiassi, his, uh, his, uh, race engineer. And we'll say lots, lots of notes. Yeah, we us. can save some of this for later. Cause obviously I, for me, it, it goes to the radio call the race, but all weekend, these two guys, it was like, you can tell, you know, you, you know, you've, you've done a job or you've worked on something where like, you're getting close to like your holiday or the end of that contract or something. And it's like, everybody's just getting a little bit short with each other. Cause they're just getting a little cabin fevery. It's like, these two people have been in each other's ears for a long time. And you're starting to get the sense like neither of these guys could have had this break come any sooner. You know what I mean? Like they are ready to not listen to each other for a little bit. They clearly are a good team. They clearly like each other, but like they were on each other all weekend long max is so whiny and so snivelly when things aren't going his way when he almost got knocked out he's sitting there in 10th position that's the true max Verstappen that comes out and then jp just trying his best to be like max everybody in the world can hear you right now shut the fuck up well so it's yeah it started with qualifying when max was also eliminated and almost eliminated in q2 and he said i don't like how you guys handled this i don't like how you did it And Gianpiero Lambiasi, JP, um, GP, JP, GP. Um, anyways, John, John Pierre. He said, listen, like you, this is what would have happened if we didn't do this. So yep. how about you just go ahead and tell me how you want to do Q3. Now, this is good banter. It's fun to listen to. Um, they have been paired together ever since Max's first race in Formula One. Winning solves all of those issues. So... Next year or the year after that, when things somebody catches up and things aren't going so well, do not be surprised if this relationship ends horribly. We've seen it in other sports, Tiger Woods, and he yep. had one caddy throughout all those yep. years he was yep. winning Masters yep. in, uh, I think his name was Bones. Um, and then things started going a little bit wrong, and they had a terrible breakup. Didn't talk yep. to each other for years. So, yes, it's cute now, and it's like they both know that they're very good and that they're the probably the best of what they do right now, and they're in a great car. But those little jabs, they come back later on, and then they actually become frictionous, and they do cause problems. So sure, be cute now, you're winning. It's very easy to have that type of relationship when at the end of the day you go home with the trophy and have a beer together. It's a lot different when all of a sudden you think the other person made the wrong call and you lose, and then you don't talk to each other that night. Or you don't talk to each other. You don't have that beer after. You're not on the same flight. Things will change in relationships all the time based off stress. Right now, they don't have any stress. Right now, it's just whoever wants to do whatever they want to do. They're not but, going home to have a beer with the trophies, though, because this is the second race in a row they broke the trophy. Did you see that? Yeah, I did, yeah. That's like $45,000 worth of trophies now. Like Red Bull, you got to take better care of your hardware. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's a, a good take. 
it's very possible that 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 this relationship uh, doesn't survive whatever the as you say the current winning trigger coats a lot of uh, tension that's there uh but winning as you say they've also been everything. together a long time and for a long time they struggled right the, well they Max struggle well, Max they, had been they didn't Red struggle. They just weren't 1A. They... they were not 1A. They didn't struggle. They just weren't the top driver there. Uh, okay, maybe. I think as soon as Max got that seat, he pretty much became 1A. I mean, who who's 1A there at the Ricardo. time? Ricardo? No, get out of here. R- Ricardo was 1A when Max first sat down. When he arrived, seat. sure. But uh, yes, that's what I'm in, saying. They were like, no, Max is the guy. Max well, then is they got rid of Ricardo. Max is everything. But then they got Ricardo. Know, They're still giving Ricardo the advantage in the seat when right. he was there until he chose to left. But chose right. to leave. Right. Like there is very much that one A, one B. And then Max, everyone just knew Max was had surpassed Ricardo and then Ricardo yeah. left. And it was just kind of that's what it was. But there was tension there. Yeah. And both of them going through those growing pains together probably got them to the friendship they're at now. But I'm just saying, don't be surprised if a year or two years you see friction there that actually sticks. We'll see. Hopefully it's not two years. Can we yeah, I mean, we'll, catch we'll them never before that? Yeah, please, please, God. <laughs> Let's talk about the rest of the field really quickly before we hand out some hardware. Any other uh, standouts for you this race? Uh, anybody else who sort of jumped up and caught your attention? For me, Alex Albon had a very good race. Albon, I saw him. He had some good now, overtakes. Sure, you're not wrong, but they should have finished like eighth. Yeah, they made. They, I think, they're the only ones that pitted three times. Williams. Yeah, they, there was some interesting strategy there. They were hoping, I think, for a late safety car that never came. Yeah, Yuki Sonata had a great day. Actually, Yuki um, had a great day. Yeah, honestly, Yuki he had so probably his awesome. best race in a while, and he had a good oh, sprint yeah. before that. Like he just seemed like he had he. And you know, it's interesting because I expected him to respond to the Ricardo thing. Like I expected we would see him probably either one of two things: start to perform a little bit better, or like make some mistakes, like just get a little too aggressive because he's feeling that pressure. And I think last week we saw him the pressure kind of not positively this week mm. i feel like the pressure he handled very well and he definitely yeah. outperformed his teammate this weekend he was fantastic yeah and i mean not a great not a great look for ricardo and no he had a bad race definitely yeah, bad, had a bad had and a he had a good pre- like his his race last weekend was pretty good so it was kind of definitely like a letdown to see him kind of slip backwards but yeah um but yeah for sure I, the only thing i laughed at is <laughs> uh several times during this race uh crofty referred to the williams as rocket ships and I yeah. just wanted to be like, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe because we don't often watch Max during the race because he's so far out, uh, you have lost perspective on yeah. pace. The Williams is like like the difference between like a horse and buggy and like the, the Model T. They have definitely taken a step forward. But we are not at the rocket ship level of technology here when no. we are, what, like 65 seconds behind the leader after the fourth lap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, and it, I mean, it was, Alban was going to have a good weekend. It showed yeah. signs of a good weekend. He's had great weekends lately. So a little disappointing to see a good driving day, but disappointing to see where he finished based on the strategy that they had. Alonzo also had a great day. Um, putting that Aston Martin back up into fifth. They solved some of their issues, which was, I guess they just switched the car up and, didn't test it and we're just like oh we'll just go with this because you know science um and it wasn't working out well for them so they made the tweaks back and um alonso's back up on fifth and stroll's still down at ninth but points points double points so let's hand out some hardware um we have our um driver of the day and my vote goes to sonoda because i don't want to talk about max Obviously, Max. I would say Sonoda as well. But I think of all of the rest of them, I think Sonoda had his best day of the season. Uh, He's had a couple of good races, but I think this was definitely the most impressive. Uh, Had some great overtakes, a couple really nice overtakes, I thought, where he just was putting himself in a great position, and you could tell that he had figured out the pace on that car, which was great. Yep. So we're going to go. I agree with that. For our driver, this this was easier last week when you weren't here. Um, (laughs) Not so driver of the day. For me, it's Piastri because, again, I think he put himself in a position to fail right at the beginning of that race. He got a little bit overaggressive. And unfortunately, it cost him because he was set up to have a great day. Well, for me, it's signs. Okay. For the exact same same corner because your teammate was in third place on the podium and you locked up and caused a massive accident on the first turn of the start of the race. All right. Well, you were sick last week, so I'll give you this one this week, okay? (laughs) 
Okay, radio caller race. We've already kind of touched on this. For me, it's pretty. Yeah. Imp- you, you reach into the jar, pick any one of the uh, Max and Lambiassi uh, exchanges. Uh, my personal favorite, I think. Um, well, there's this was actually more of a Max one, but the, my personal favorite is near the end of the race when you could start to get Max was starting to get a little bit itchy about that fastest lap and like not wanting, you know what I mean? And he goes, "Well, maybe we should just uh, change tires one more time. We can do a." pit stop practice and and let yeah. is like max calm down just not today not today not today yeah that was the that i would say that would be the one that stuck in my head too is like let's do a little pit stop practice a little pit yeah. stop practice the other um, one though that is a close runner-up for me is earlier in the race when max is getting a little bit irritated about the strategy the the difference in the strategy between him and and his teammate oh, yeah. and they, they pitted pairs first yeah. he's like i want to know when we're pitting i want to know why we're pitting and let goes trust me just yeah. trust me. Yeah. That's when the first tense, those are the first tense moments where you're well, like, first oh my God. of that day, they'd already had a, a go at each other the day before. Yeah. During the sprint That's true. Or, or the shootout. Um, all right. So that one's easy. Um, let's go to our overtake of the day. For me, it's Gasly on the outside. Yeah. That's a fantastic overtake. I wrote it down yep. in the moment. I was like, that was just beautifully executed. Yep, lap um, 33 over good, Albon. To be fair, there were a couple good overtakes. There were some overtakes at some tricky corners where I think a few people were kind of surprised they were there. But that Gasly on, on Albon was fantastic. Well, especially because it lasted through like three turns and a DRS zone. Like he yeah. got him on the outside, lap 33 on one of the turns, and then held it, held it, held it, held it side by side, held it. And then Albon had DRS behind him, and Gasly was able to block him on the next turn. And, not, and then that was it. That was the end of the... Um, overtake and that was fantastic racing that was fantastic racing to make a fantastic weekend for guys yep for sure all right so those are our that's our hardware that is our rundown of uh the belgian grand prix you've got one more thing tyler one more thing about this race and it's something that the announcers said i'm not sure which one it was but they said a lot of these cars they don't when they're in their wind tunnels they never practice the um, aerodynamics behind a car they always practice about free air and and what the car is going to act like when there's no one else around. My question to you is why? Mm. If you're Red Bull, yes, I get it. If you're Mercedes, yes, I get it. If you're the midfield, why aren't you in the the vacuum or the wind tunnel or whatever practicing your aerodynamics and how to get the best car behind another car? Why don't you use some of that time to figure that out? Because you're never leading a race. You might be eight seconds behind somebody else, but why not work your car in some of these races to to actually be better behind somebody so that you could pass and get instead of like 10th or 11th, you can get 8th or 9th. But if they're not using any of their wind tunnel time for that, I, that kind of is what I've been thinking about since I watched that race is why not? Why would you not take some of that time to at least work in dirty air? Well, you know, Red Bulls had so little time in there yeah. because of their their penalty and their punishment for uh breaking the rules last uh last year no that's a good question i mean i don't know well maybe we can get an aerodynamicist on here one day and he can answer the question for you i certainly am not that smart (laughs) uh all right that that was the belgian grand prix hey football fans the ordinary podcasting network is very excited to welcome back for its second season running down the clock presented by puya ricey and tyler walzak These two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. It's time for mail. Now, Tyler, I answered a question solo last week. Then I thought it was only fair for you to get a a crack at this too. So the question last week was, uh, what regulation or rule would you change? And for me, as I said last week, I personally think that it's dumb that if a driver is able to nurse his tires all the way through to the end of a Grand Prix, he still has to change compounds once. Now, this doesn't happen very often. Certainly wasn't a factor this weekend. But there are certain races in the calendar where we have seen drivers go a long way. Australia, I believe was, was one of them this year. Um, but for me, I go back to this idea that, you know, I, I, I think if you are able to do that, it's a strategic choice. You should be able to, uh, you know, nurse your tires all the way through and not have to make that 
pit stop and maybe you got a team that's like really bad at pitting and they put them on the hard tire and they just hope for the best. Uh, I don't know, but that's, that was mine. I don't know what, how you feel about that one. And I'd love to know what your thoughts are on what rule or regulation you would change. I would never get rid of the mandatory pit stop. Um, listening to you say that last week infuriated me um, because one, it does give you another level of anticipation, excitement because these cars sometimes are so far apart from each other, but those like 0.5 seconds um, or hundreds of a second matter in terms of the pit stop. And that's how you maybe sometimes you do get someone ahead and it just re-energizes a race is essentially what it does. Whether that is why they have it, I don't know. Because <laughs> you're right, some of these cars could go through. I'm assuming a lot of it has to also do with safety. They don't want people out there on um, tires that are out there for 49 laps and and, yeah. and they're just worn down and shitty. Um, but I mean, it, it, re-energizes, it re-energizes a race. It gives more strategy watching, thinking about when things are going to happen. Gives the drivers a little more strategy to work within their teams. Um, I think it's very beneficial and um, necessary for this for any race. Um, so I okay. That so was that's my the, that's what the you rule you there, would yeah. keep. You're happy to keep that one. Which rule would you change? I don't like the rolling start. I hate the rolling start, behind, and I get so, it's so a safety like, thing. Like yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. what they did in the like sprint. this week. Yeah, yeah, yes. And when they're doing that, I was like, "This is a dumb sprint. I hate this. I don't want to watch this anymore. This is so stupid." Um, and then obviously, like everybody went into the pit. Everybody went into the pit and re-energized the race. Well, everyone, okay, but see, this is the difference. I'm not saying that they can't pit. I'm saying in the specific circumstance where you don't have to, you shouldn't be forced to. In this race, you had to because no one was going to stay on the wets when the yeah. track was drying out. Yeah. But, okay, so you don't like the rolling start. So give me the alternative to it. Now, do you mean you don't like the rolling restart or just the rolling start of a Grand Prix? The rolling start of the Grand Prix. Okay. I think you should have at least one standing start. Regardless of weather. Regardless of weather. You should have at least one standing start. If you can't standing start, then the race should probably go on. Yeah. You're on the wet tires anyway. Yeah. And it was, I actually wondered what would have happened if it was a standing start, because would those guys have gone into the pits before lights out and switch, or they'd have to go at least one more time. Cause you probably would see people go in, start the race in the pits on this, on the standing start and go out. Like it, well, we've seen that before, haven't we? It's just better. We've seen that before the restart in Hungary during the yeah. 2022 season where only uh, Lewis, Lewis stayed out and everybody yeah. else did dive into the pits on the standing restart after yeah. red flag. Definitely. We've seen that before. So you're right. Maybe some teams would have pulled the plug right there and said, we'll catch them on the next lap. Yeah. It's interesting. I think question. every race needs at least one standing start and it should be the beginning of the race. Um, I do love the standing start restarts after red flags as well. Yeah. I understand the rolling starts after like, um, uh, safety virtual car. safety cars or safety cars and all that stuff. Yeah, you, the race hasn't stopped. You're still race technically racing, but we haven't even started the race started. because we're doing a rolling start. I don't, I don't like it. Um, and that's the one rule I would change. Well, one of the rules I would change. Yeah, no, I think that's one. fair. I think that's an interesting take. I mean, I, I think again, it, it comes down to the safety part. Although I'm not sure you asked Piastri how much safer it was. Um, it, uh, you know, the the next day he's in a standing start and he gets pinched out, right? But we also had contact from the rolling start the day before didn't we have russell go into the side of uh perez um or lewis go into the side of perez this race Lewis did. He got a five the, second penalty yeah again yeah. because it, like, it doesn't make it at the end of the day you're gonna get contact from a standing start you're gonna get contact from a rolling start it just yeah. maybe that spreads out the pack a little bit yeah i don't know i think yeah, it's a good take it's a good take okay so we're not going to preview the dutch grand prix uh yet because we have four weeks off um or three and a half, whatever it is, 14 days plus whatever the extra week is. Plus there. another week, I think. August 27th yeah. is when we're back. Yeah, so about three weeks, three weeks from now. <clears throat> we are in our summer break, what is commonly referred to as silly season, because this is often when, and certainly last year did not disappoint, this is when transactions and driver seat changes occur, although we've already kind of had some of that. We didn't really mm-hmm. talk about the whole Otmar half an hour leaving Alpine, but we've already seen some executives leaving their role. So we would expect there'd be a few more changes. And 
even if they don't necessarily see changes that will affect us this season, we do often get the news of what's coming like we did last year, where we found out Vettel was retiring, where we found out Alonzo was leaving, where we found out Piastri wasn't going to drive for Alpine. He was actually going to drive for McLaren and then all of that uh, sort of chaos rained down on our heads. That's why they call it silly season. So instead mm-hmm. of previewing the Dutch Grand Prix, which we will do on a special episode recapping the summer break before we return, uh, we thought instead we would do a little preview of, silly season itself, make some predictions and sort of look back so far at the first half of the season, just to kind of gather ourselves before we head into this uh, couple of weeks of hibernation and remind us again, Tyler, because you are the expert on all labor related law coming uh, in, in terms of, in terms of drivers, they can't work for not just drivers. Anybody oh, on the formula one team cannot touch the car or anything in the facility with for 14 straight days doesn't right. matter which doesn't matter which time they choose to do this it could start yesterday it could start uh thursday or friday you can you have to go 14 full days straight in a row without touching or working on your car or your team at that like in right. facility okay as i said labor expert here union, <laughs> union guy um these are definitely not unionized positions um uh, okay, so after that period, though, we're going to get back to business. Now, that does not mean that they can't negotiate at occasional lunches at said cafes in Monaco. And right. conversations are happening and there's all kinds of, you know, shuffling going on. Um, so I guess that's where we should start. Yeah. Who is safe and who is not safe here? <laughs> who should well, we be expecting? What team should we be expecting to see some fireworks from, do you think? I mean... Or have we already seen them? Because obviously Ricardo coming in was fireworks. You never know when you're going to get the Red Bull fireworks because like halfway through season, eight races, you could be gone. And you, would, you wouldn't know anything except that you're on a different team. I, two weeks I feel later. like that's settled though. I really do feel like Perez is safe for one more year. It's his contract there. Did you hear what Helmet Marco said post-race? Did no. you hear that? He was asked, do you think it's disappointing for Perez? Do you think it's disappointing for Perez to once again be, you know, 15 or 16 seconds behind his teammate finishing second? And Helmut Marco, in like classic grumpy old German or Austrian or whatever he is, basically said, No, I think Perez has finally woken up from his dream of winning a, a world championship and recognizes his role on this team. No, did he really? He basically pointed out, it's like, no, Perez should be fully aware of where he fits here. He is not going to win a world championship for us. That's not his, wh- why he's here. And he's not good enough to do that. And he's not wrong. Wow. No, he's not wrong. But if, if you're Perez, you have to go out there thinking that you can. Especially with the beginning of the year when he was neck and neck right with Verstappen. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's just going to cause more friction between those two drivers. And he is, he's 22 seconds behind, 18 seconds behind but would it, a teammate, it, his teammate that anybody, had to pass him. Wouldn't anybody be at this point? Like, well, that's I, the I, thing. I, I mean, honestly, thing. like, look at the other guys who are close. They're not even, like, they're, they're not close. And I don't think that it's just Perez driving that car. Because Perez is driving that car as good as you can do it outside of Max Verstappen. Right Sure. Now. I it's agree with built that for Max Verstappen. Do, don't you think that there's some drivers on this grid that could take that car and Maybe. put up numbers like Hamilton could, he's not going to go there, but Hamilton could put up those numbers maybe. maybe. And this is the name going around right now. Lando Norris could put those numbers up in that yeah. car. And that Maybe. is a very serious conversation in the rumor world, not in the actual, but a lot of rumors out there because Helmut Marco is a huge fan of Lando Norris. So he could potentially walk he and Lando Norris has also said, like, I'm not a very patient person. So McLaren hasn't been doing well this year. They're starting to put it together now. But I mean, there's one rumor that's out there right now with a big team in Red Bull. And I like I like your rumors. The last time you laid out some rumors, it literally came true the next day. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like Nostradamus. That was impressive. Um, and then the other thing that's going around right now is so we talked a lot about today about the um, communication between Verstappen and um, JP. Yeah. Now at Ferrari, it's been a lot of, what do you want to do as like to the drivers, like the guys on the side saying, what do you want to do? How do you want to, how do you want to go about this race? What's the strategy now that they have new guys in, there's a lot of grumpy talk back coming from Leclerc and signs towards that brand new 
um, pit pit crew, pit bosses. Yeah. Yeah, with At Rester. what point do they start getting frustrated with the Claire and Signs and be like, hey, no, this this time it's not us. Our strategies are doing well. You are driving over the limit in the pit stop. Like that's why you got a five second penalty. That's not on us. That's on you. And then that same race is when the Claire was talking back and being like super grumpy towards those guys. So at what point do they say, All right, fine, we don't you don't want to be here, go get out of here. Yeah. We'll bring in maybe a Hamilton next year because his contract is up. And he'll want to be in a faster car. Does he not know Mercedes? I mean, he right now they have a contract in place for Hamilton. He hasn't signed it yet. Um, and I bet you it has a lot to do with things that are going to happen once he retires, like maybe keeping him around so he gets a little extra money and helping develop the car and the drivers. Um, so I think that's the sticking point over at Mercedes. But I would not be surprised if Ferrari wants to make some decisions sooner. They're they're signed through 2024, so through next year, both those drivers. But don't be surprised if if they they're on a shorter leash now because they're they're complaining and not putting up they're not helping is basically yeah i think uh, i mean it i i I think at this point uh, they'd have to like it would have to be somebody of that scale and there's not a few there's not very many of that scale uh i mean like the lewis size kind of person coming in right now they're certainly not going to like go laterally towards some other guy who hasn't proven it yet um in place of Leclerc or signs who are both very experienced, if not um, even if they're not necessarily getting the best out of uh, out of what's there, but like you look down the rest of this lineup and the big question marks for me are like, what is the future plan at Haas? And I mean, as a team, <laughs> like, is it time mm-hmm. for the whole thing to sort of be reevaluated because they just haven't figured out a way to step forward and there's options there too to be like you've got two veteran drivers here you tried the two rookie drivers a couple years ago it didn't really work do you go to like one young guy and keep magnuson or do you you know what i mean like i don't know what i know what the problem is at us well it's gunter steiner it's gunter steiner so whoever's making the decision of who's in that car it better not fucking be gunter steiner doesn't matter it doesn't matter at some point you build a team and you're not going any further you're just declining and you're the problem you start to become the problem you might have had success earlier but right now he's the problem so it doesn't matter who they put in that car if it's gunter steiner making that decision yeah someone else should come in and start making those decisions and then there's a uh Oh, calm down. Um, There is a lot of rumors around this um, indie stock car racing open wheel driver, Alex Palau, Spanish driver who won in 2021, the IndyCar champion in 2021, currently leading uh, right now in that 2022 season, 2023 season. Um, Don't be surprised if his name gets thrown around a lot with Haas, um, but they, they don't have any drivers under contract after this season. So you could see some difference. I don't think they get rid of Magnuson. Um, I'm not sure if they're happy with Hulkenberg, but I, sometimes they're just going to mix it up just to mix it up. But I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter who's driving that car if Gunther Steiner is the one making those decisions. Well, and and we know there are teams that are interested in other drivers. You know, like like Colton Herter was supposed to be in this lineup yes. this season and didn't get there, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've got guys like that. You've got guys like Fittipaldi who's driving in Formula 2 and it's very attractive to a few of these teams that are knocking on the door. So the question just becomes which team is looking to shake something up, which team is looking for it. Now we have a few teams that are going to have new bosses. That's always a recipe for something new because these aren't your guys. It's like when a GM takes over a hockey team and it's like that coach might stick around for another year. He's probably going to be at the end of that deal because that guy wants his guy. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a similar thing here where like now you're going to have some new team principals who are looking at it being like, all right, I can change things up in the factory. I can change things up, you know, on my pit wall. But eventually if I don't change things up in the car, I can't really say that my hand, my fingerprints are all over all of this. So those pieces, yes, Ferrari does have a new boss in Fred Vesser. He's been there this year, but these aren't his guys. He didn't hire either of these drivers. You now have a new team boss at Alfa Tori next season. Um, coming out of a Ferrari who's going to be sitting on that pit wall for them. So that's an interesting question mark. Does Yuki Sonoda survive now? That team still in many ways is influenced by Helmut Marco, but there's a separating that's beginning there in terms of Red Bull being less um, involved in, in the running of that team. So that's a question mark because um, you also have young guys who are like, I think Fittipaldi is a Red Bull driver. Um in in their system so that would be one of those guys there'd be a question mark around if they wanted to pull him up 
could he be replacing a Yuki Sonoda? Although Yuki's driven well, but we've yep. got Daniel Ricardo in there now. And like, what's Daniel's future? Is he going to drive for this team again next year? Is there a seat available for him somewhere else? I, I think know. there's a very big seat available for him based off of what Helmut Marco said just, earlier. Yeah, I know, but I just, I mean, I would be surprised, but again, it's Red Bull that maybe I should never be surprised. Because um, right now, Sunoda is doing very well in the Alpha Tori for yeah, what that car is probably the worst car other than the Haas out on the track. And Yuki's having a pretty good year, even though we shot on him all last year. Um, but I mean, if Ricardo gets that seat, like say Perez is on the way out because whatever, whatever reason. Sure. You got to think that Ricardo gets the shot before Yuki does, no? I mean, here's the thing with, with Perez. I mean, he'd have to be fired because he's not going to leave. Yeah. But yeah. he's not going to leave. There's no other team there for him. No. And he's not going to leave a deal like that to drive that car. So he'd have to be pushed out. Now, I just don't know if Red Bull wants to do that optically right now when they're winning anyway. It doesn't matter. Could they push him down to AlphaTauri? No. I don't think Why they not? would. I think if they, they were going to cut ties with Perez, they just cut ties with Perez. I don't think they would put him in another car. I just don't see it. I might be wrong. Let's do this really quickly, Tyler. Let's just run down the list. You're just going to tell me if both drivers are safe or if there's something there. Okay. You don't have to tell me what you think it is. I just want you to tell me if it gives you that like tingly, weird feeling of ah, something the, the you know, this might, this might be some smoke, maybe fire. Okay. Right. So Red Bull, we think there might be smoke, but it's tricky to tell. Correct. Would we agree on that? I think where there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire. Okay. Never sure. With Red Bull. All right. Let's take a next step down. We'll go to Ferrari. It'll be, I'll tell you, it'll be Perez. It'll be Verstappen and Perez or Verstappen and Ricardo. Unless Lando Norris comes over. And so, he would have to leave his, he would have to have a huge fight yeah. with McLaren to get out of that. But yeah. those are the only three people that'll be in that seat. It'll be Perez, it'll be Ricardo, or it'll be Lando Norris. All right. Let's go to Ferrari. Are they safe for another season? Or is there smoke there? Smoke there. For sure. 100% smoke there. There's no way they're happy with these two drivers right now. But and again, no way the drivers, drivers are happy are, with those They're guys. under contract, so they'd well, have sure, to be but, fired. But like, where also else Piastri, are they going to go? Piastri was under contract with Alpine yeah, before so I, he left I for McLaren. That. Yeah, but Alonso was under yeah, as a reserve driver, Tyler, as a reserve driver. There Doesn't is matter. a difference. There is a difference. There's a, there's a thing is, is you don't want to be – listen, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. Yeah. is also something they have to like, you're not going to keep Perez or you're not going to keep, if Charles Leclerc says, I'm going to drive this car into the wall every single race next year, unless you let me go to Mercedes or whatever, then yeah. you're going to let him go. You might find him. You might go to FIA and be like, Hey, it's, but all that's going to happen is you're going to take away yeah. money from them. All right. They can still uh, go. Contracts aren't really contracts anymore. The all world's right, all, all right. messed up. All right. All right. All right. Jesus. I've got him <laughs> fired up, man. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes smoke or nothing at all. Um, I think that I think that George Russell is safe. Something everywhere. No, no, Lewis Hamilton. It'll be up to him. That's the only thing. It's up to him if he wants to come back. I think to Lewis team, Hamilton runs it back one more year, but I think if they have futility again, like they have, I think it's it, this is their last chance to keep him. I'll I think agree that's with that. My argument there. He's I'll not ready that. to go, but he's not going to stick around for for you know less than. Yeah. But again, here's another crazy thing. Lewis Hamilton, outside of Max Verstappen, is the only driver to score points in every single race this season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton stays in that Mercedes car or he goes. Maybe they swap him. They do a straight trade for Leclerc. <laughs> God help us all. Um, all right. Uh, Aston Martin. So this one's interesting. We could talk, but we could talk more about this one. But I mean, Alonso's safe because he's driven that car so well. Um, and I, I will like to shout out to uh, a listener of ours, Morgan, that I talked to at the beach the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and she brought up the point of like, how long does Aston Martin wait for Stroll to catch up? Now, at the beginning of this year, Alonso was way ahead of Stroll the entire time, and now they've kind of closed the gap. But this past weekend, again, it was five and nine. Um, so, like, how much longer do you sit on Lance as your driver, even though your daddy owns the company? At some point, do you go, hey, listen, kid, I mean, you suck. He sells the team before he does that to his son. The entire reason he's here is his kid. The entire reason he's banked his entire fortune on this sport is his kid. And I just do not see that changing. I think this is definitely a lock in these two guys are here next year. The only thing that changes is if for some reason, all of a sudden Alonzo decides he's too old and doesn't want to do it, but nothing has given me the indication. He'll no, Alonzo's having fun right he now. He wants he's to win. Well. 
wants yeah, to win again. Well. He wants another win on his record. You know what I mean? And I think that he will stick around for at least another year. Especially he also seems to be mentoring. He also seems to be for mentoring sure. Lawrence or uh, Lance. Lance pretty good. Maybe Lawrence so. too. He's probably Lawrence older needs than a little Lawrence help too. himself. Yeah. He's probably older than everyone at that team. Guy's like fifty <laughs> years old. Um, I, I'm trying to do this in order, but I can't even think of who's next. So let's just go through the ones I can think of. We just talked about Alphatori. Alpine. I, let's go with Alpine. Okay, let's go to Alpine. Brand new then. people running that show there. Brand new team. That's right. New ownership or new leadership yeah. coming in. Yeah. But also still brand new driver in Gasly this season. Yep. And Ocon's been there for a long time. Yeah. They're both through multi-year contracts. So both of them should be here contract-wise. If you are so gung-ho about contracts, then they'll both be back next year. I think they um, are because I think this is one they of those are, for sure. where they're looking for some stability. Thousand you don't percent. want to start changing everything around when you're going to clearly try to change the car. Plus, they're both good drivers, and it's a it is a French company and a French yeah. car, and they're two oh, yeah. French drivers. I'm so sure that I don't lots think, of endorsements there. They're I don't think they go anywhere. Well. Yeah. Okay, let's jump to uh, Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo, that? okay, which Alfa is Sauber, and it's not going to be Alfa Romeo for much longer. So Zhao is not under contract after this year. Um, they say that Botas is on a multi year, but no one really knows when that's up. Um, I don't know what's going on. They've been doing well about for about a month. They had a, a good stint of runs, but is this could be up for like anybody could take these. I think, I think okay. anyone could take these spots. Uh, we've done Alpha. We've done Alpha Tori. We've done Alpha Romeo. We've done. Voltas got... might even walk away. He might even just be like, yeah, you know he might I, be the one who's like, I'm, I'm good. Done. I'm done. That's yeah, possible. I'm, I'm actually, anymore. and then they you switch just go lay up. naked in some river in Finland for the rest yeah, of his life. Because I don't know. I think I think maybe Alpha Romeo has a new driver next year. Okay, so there's some smoke there. Let's talk about Haas. Does, again, it's a hard one. Does, who say. knows? Nobody's under contract, and they're not doing well. They could blow up the entire thing. How about Williams? They sell the team. How about Williams? Do they um, stick it out with Logan for one more year? I mean, he hasn't done very well for them yet, but again, they haven't really given him much of a machine, although apparently, according to Crofty, it's a rocket ship. Um, Albon, well, I mean, I think Logan, is safe there unless there's Albon's an safe. upgrade. Unless the there's things, an upgrade, yeah. right? Because we're like, he's the only kind of call up Red Bull would have. Let's say Perez goes out the Would side you go? Door. Would you go? No, 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 but he could take over that alpha seat, is what I'm saying. The, the, the would you alpha even go seat. to that, though? Why would you Why would you leave Williams right now in that yeah, rocket yeah, ship right. to go to yeah, Alpha Tori? I don't know. I don't know. Alpha Tori has a barn door. As they're yeah, back, you're right. Uh, you're, right you're right. I guess the question is: Does Sir, does Sergeant stick around, or does James Valls, who's now in charge there, want at least one driver of his own choosing? I think we have Albon and Sergeant back, unless Albon gets a seat somewhere else that's better. But I don't know where that would be. All right. Okay. Well, I think we've done our best with all of that, and in a few weeks' time, we'll know whether we were even close. Um, but that's pretty much what we got. Any final thoughts there, Tyler? Before we. Uh, do not speak to each other for 14 days. You're not allowed um, to podcast. No, you have to podcast, but you can't podcast about Formula One for 14 days. Yeah, not allowed to talk about Formula One. Good luck at lunch tomorrow. Um, no, I think it. I think this silly season is going to be more boring than last year's because last year's was electric. <laughs> last year was wild. Electric. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's just going to be a, a very easy, this is what's happening this year. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be too crazy. Well, um, we will be off for a couple weeks here, but Tyler, if the listeners still want to hear your dulcet tones, you know where we can send them. Starting this Thursday, you and Puya are back. Season two of Running Down the Clock comes back. It does. Are you guys yes. excited for some football? We are, are very excited. Football is like 50 days away. I think there's actually this week, there is a um, preseason game. So we have been. Uh, ramping up for this so we're we're good we're right in the sweet spot no we have to get there we got a lot of work to do but uh it'll be fun it's gonna be fun running yeah, down you the gotta, it's it, you're into the training camp right you got to get all yeah. of the cobwebs off dust off the old all of those old adages all of yeah. the different uh cliches whatever you want to whatever you want to throw at it but thursdays wherever you get your podcast running down the clock is available tyler puya just a couple of football fans talking about football you can hang out with them every thursday of the NFL season. Um, if you want to learn more about that show, you want to learn more about this show or any of our other shows, head over to ordinarypodcasts.com. Um, and until we are back uh, in three weeks' time, mm-hmm. um, you know, enjoy your summer. Don't think about Formula One. T- turn it off. You got to rest now because there's a lot more racing to come. The busiest second half 
be the busiest second half of any season we've ever had because we have as many races upcoming as we have already done and it has already felt like way too many wins for max verstappen for my liking yeah all right until the end of august that was the pit stop podcast pit stop podcast is a presentation of the ordinary podcasting network thanks for listening The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.